Their ability to withstand chaos had already made an impression on me when I'd been helping Tony with his leadership leaflet and speeches, but this was something else. They were travelling with a few battered old cases and a black bin liner into which Cherie had thrown the last-minute stuff, including, Fiona noticed, some old carrots. Thursday, August the 11th. Today I told Tony in graphic detail about my breakdown. I said I thought it was important he knew because I had to assume that ultimately I'd cracked because of pressure and the pressure was as nothing compared to what we would face if I did the job. I said I was sure I was a stronger person than ever but he needed to know there was a risk. He said he was happy to take it. By now he'd also let me know and swore me to secrecy that he was minded to have a review of the Constitution and scrap Clause 4. I've never felt any great ideological attachment to Clause 4 one way or the other. If it made people happy, fine, but it didn't actually set out what the Labour Party was about today. It wasn't the politics or the ideology that appealed, it was the boldness. People had talked about it for years. Here was a new leader telling me that he was thinking about doing it in his first conference speech as leader. Bold. I said, I hope you do it, because it's bold. I will, he said, and he had a real glint in his eye. He knew that in terms of the political substance, it didn't actually mean that much, but as a symbol, as a vehicle to communicate change and his determination to modernise the party, it was brilliant. He'd first mentioned it in our walk up the hill yesterday. Now, a hint became an intention, and he asked me to start thinking about how best to express it and how best to plan the huge political and communications exercise that would follow. Whether it was deliberate or not, I don't know but he'd found the way to persuade me, and I told him that I would do the job. Friday, August the 12th. As part of the Blair's chaotic travel plans, we had to set off at 4am so that I could get them to Marseille railway station. Fiona and I, and Neil and Glenis, couldn't believe the way they went from place to place on holiday. Why can't they settle in one place? We arrived at the station at 5.35 and the train wasn't due to leave, or so we thought, till 615 so I started to get the half-asleep kids and the assortment of bags sorted while Tony went to check where the train was going from. With Ewan still asleep and refusing to wake up, Tony came charging out, said they'd got the times wrong, it was about to go. He looked very odd in a pair of holiday shorts and what looked like a suit jacket. He picked up Ewan and as many bags as he could carry. I did the same with Catherine. Cherie hustled Nicky along and we'd just made it as the platform attendant started to blow his whistle. It turned out it wasn't their train at all, but an earlier one which had been delayed, but they decided to stay on board and hope they could find seats. Then just before the doors closed, Tony and I had one of those leaving train conversations loved by film directors in need of a device. I said I still had huge misgivings, but I'd do it, and I would never give him and the party anything less than 100%. He said I was right to feel nervous, but together we could change the face of British politics for a generation and change the world while we're at it. At which point, as he was right in the middle of this momentous statement, the door shut, automatically, angrily, forcing our dear leader to jump back. All of a sudden, he looked bewildered. He gave me a little wave, the big smile, and off he went. I drove back to Flasson, wondering what on earth I was letting myself in for. I got home as everyone was getting up, and over breakfast we agreed we couldn't cope with chaos like Cherie seems able to. Neil asked me outright if I was going to do the job. I said yes. He said it's good for Tony, 
bad for you and the family and I'm totally opposed. You'll hate the crap, the detail, the wankers you have to be nice to. Glennis said, Neil, don't do this. He's made up his mind and we should support him. I said, I've told him I'll do it, Neil. Have you shaken on it? No. Well, don't. Thursday, September the 15th. Shadow Cabinet meeting Brunswick Square. TB certainly delivered on his no-complacency message. He told me later he'd sounded out John Prescott for the first time on the Constitution. He didn't explode. He said he'd think about it. I'd been scribbling some thoughts on a slogan for conference. New Labour, New Britain was the best. It was bold, clear, it would give us momentum. And if he did Clause 4, it would really drive through. TB expressed some of the nervousness the others had. The problem was that New had an opposite, and you couldn't guarantee there wouldn't be a lot of hostility. Monday, September the 19th.